got your Bible and I hope that you do, go ahead and go to Colossians chapter four this morning. We are finishing this series and um, in a lot of ways we're, we're finishing the year. Uh, next week we will uh, go to Psalm 105 and we will look at uh, what it means to give thanks to God. And then we'll do that for two weeks, uh, Psalm 105 verses one through five. And then we will begin our Christmas series, Christmas season. So this is, in all practical aspects, the end of our year. We've been walking through the book of Colossians. This last series uh, was intended to swing us into 2020. We have, for the last several months, we've been praying for revival. We will continue to pray for revival uh, throughout the remainder of this year. In 2020, we are going to begin to pray for an awakening. I finished that uh, prayer paradigm that we'll be using this last week and um, submitted it for elder approval. And these will be the prayers. There's some 20 prayers that we will focus our attention around that have to do with us, but primarily with what God has called us to do in our world. We are going to begin to focus our attention on an awakening, a working of God in our world. We've been praying for a working of God in our lives and, and we are going to continue to ask God for that. We'll always need that. We'll always need renewal and revival. Now we're going to begin to, to make that switch and draw our attention outward. To make it our focus to be a family of disciples impacting every, every generation. Our homes and our neighbors. Just being mindful of what's going on in the world and seeking to be, use, be of use to God. This morning, we're going to end this series and end this year talking about how it is we serve and how it is we serve to make disciples. So again, uh, if you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, hopefully you're already in Colossians chapter 4. This is going to come. Let's all stand together in honor of God's Word as she reads this last section, verses 14 through 18 in Colossians chapter 4. Read that for us. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. Amen. If you would be seated. Well done. So what does it look like to be a mature disciple uh, making disciples? For months we've been praying for revival. And I am, I am thrilled with the fact that we have begun to see uh, the work of God in miraculous ways. This week, we are celebrating the fact that there was a person who came to Saving Faith through our counseling center. We are giving God praise because there were five middle school students who had been saved in the last week. We are giving praise because there were two high school students who had been saved in the last week. We are giving praise because there are four college students who were saved in the last week. We are giving praise because two uh, in our Chinese ministry were saved in the last two weeks. We are giving praise because God is at work in our jails. We are giving praise because God is at work 
through our partners. There is salvation. There is a movement of God through this family of faith. It is a specific answer to prayer. We are seeing God at work. He is calling us to join him in this work. We have every reason to be confident that the Lord has not abandoned us. He is not finished with us yet. There is more to be done. So let's, let's pull back. Let's take a broad picture. Let's think about where we are. This last year, we took a health survey. We asked you, where do you see yourself? And this was a spiritual health survey. Where were you? Where are you spiritually? Here's what the results showed us. I remind you that amongst uh, those who received and, and, and took the survey, only 3% were, were those who were exploring Christ. That means that we have a, a very small number of people who are coming to Living Hope in pursuit of, of finding salvation in Christ alone. There are not a lot of new faces, new unbelieving people that are coming. We have new people coming. Most of them are already Christians who are moving from other communities or uh, who have maybe been moved by the Spirit of God to return to, to the Lord, but are in different places spiritually. We are predominantly made up of those who are growing in Christ and those who are close to Christ. And about a fourth would say that they're truly Christ-centered, completely sold out to, to Christ Jesus. And so that's where we are in terms of the way we perceive ourselves in, in terms of our personal relationship with God. How are we as it pertains to our impact in the world? How are we in terms of disciple making? We, we are a family of disciples impacting our homes, our neighbors, and every generation with the hope of Jesus. Now, how are we doing as it pertains to impact? Here is a model that I, I want to give uh, your, your attention to, and I want you to process this with me a little bit. And so when, when you think about a, a congregation like ours in terms of our impact in the world, and again, what is our impact? As, as a family of disciples impacting our homes, our neighbors, and every generation with the hope of Jesus Christ, we're somewhere on this spectrum. Some in our congregation are still dead to God. They've not been born again. And we have been praying for them. As a matter of fact, two weeks ago, we prayed for an entire week for those who were dead in Christ to come to saving faith by being born again. And we saw people born again last week from within our congregation who will soon be baptized. And so God is answering our prayer. Where we also, though, we need to be mindful is we have a lot of infants in our congregation. When I say infant, I mean those who do not know their Bible, who cannot feed themselves and who cry when, when things are not the way they want them to be. We have a lot of those. We, we also have a lot of children. Uh, kids can typically feed themselves, but they are dependent upon what is put in front of them. Uh, they rarely take responsibility for other people. We would like for them to take more responsibility for themselves, but they struggle to do even that. They are often wandering and need consistent guidance so as to stay on the path. And we have a large number of Christians who are in that, in that boat. They, they know a great deal of scripture, but there is not a, a passionate desire and ability to really unpack it, to obey it, and, and to share it with others. Now, where we have a, a, a number, um, if you take 1,800 congregants, 
we're probably at about 800 here and about 800 here. We're at about 180 here. And these are folks who are like young adults. Uh, they've gotten their license. They're beginning to drive. They're beginning to get out there on their own. They can, they can lead other folks. Uh, they're not ready yet to parent. They're not ready to take on other children, infants, but they are certainly serving uh, the body, certainly doing the chores that make the church uh, functional and, and able. And we have a, a large number of Bible teachers in our congregation. What are, we, what are we lacking? We're lacking disciple makers. Now, what's a disciple maker? A disciple maker is someone who works in conjunction with the Spirit of God who gives life and that life is infancy as the gospel is shared, the work of the Spirit and the work of the Word bring about new life. And those who are parents who are disciple makers are able to not only lead a person to saving faith in Jesus Christ, but then to walk them through infancy childhood, young adulthood, so that they too can become a parent. They too can take leadership of another life and, and help them to know Jesus, to love Jesus, and to obey Jesus. So let me ask you, as you think about this, and again, th this is my assessment of where we are, where, where would you put yourself? Are you an infant that doesn't know the word and cannot feed yourself and, do, and would not feed yourself every day? the word in prayer? Are you a child? Are you someone who's understanding the word of God? You know uh, a segment, you know some of God's word, and when the word is put in front of you, you can consume it? Are you a young adult who can begin to pick your own meals, begin to feed yourself, and, and you're growing and you're serving and your hands are, are, are on, the, on the plow and you're, you're working? Are you a disciple maker? Are you someone who's fulfilling Matthew 28, 19 through 20? Are you seeing people born again by your influence and are you walking them through a simple method of disciple making? We have a very simple method and many of you don't know it. It's called three big things. We use a method, it's, it, it starts with the story, creation, fall, rescue, restoration, and the three circles. But it goes on to talk about three big things, believe, be baptized and belong. I know that very few of you know that because uh, Pastor Benny and I have been the ones doing the training on that over the last two years and less than 50 of our congregants have gone through it. Again, there's not a hunger for it. Last week we were praying that the Spirit of God would lead the Congregation of Living Hope to agonize over lost people in prayer and we're not. We're praying, oh God bless us for and maybe more, but make sure it's us. We must turn our gaze beyond ourselves and encompass the vision that God has for this world, the heart that God has for this world. What we are praying for is an awakening. In 2020, our, our focus, our theme, you'll see it uh, more and more. You'll see it on the, on the banners out on the building. You'll, you'll hear me saying it more and more is 2020 vision. Come and see what God can do. And that is our invitation to our city. The expectation is that we who are revived, having trusted that God is at work, are now going to discipline ourselves to delight in making disciples, going to our homes, to 
our neighbors, and to every generation with the hope of Jesus Christ to make an impact. This is an act of God. What we're looking for is an act of God. We're looking for an awakening. An awakening occurs when large numbers of people come to saving faith. This is what God does, and we join him. The Holy Spirit moves, and we join him by sharing Christ. You know, when I was a kid, we, I can remember when we moved from Tulsa, Oklahoma, back to Nashville, Tennessee. And I remember I was incapable of helping my dad and my older brother move. First of all, I wasn't strong enough at that point to lift the heavy things, and I wasn't mature enough to handle the delicate small things. So I was told to sit down and get out of the way because I was a kid. Recently, we moved my oldest daughter into her apartment, and I was so grateful to have my young adult, Jackson, there because he actually moved an entire couch by himself down steps it was glorious. He basically told me to move. And he just wrestled that thing and it was like, wow, look at that. I think that comes from me. <laughs> He's not an adult yet though. He's not ready to be a parent. He's strong. But you know what? He's not ready yet is to move his own daughter. He's not ready to take that responsibility on. He's still growing. Here's what we have at Living Hope. We have a lot of kids, spiritually speaking. We have a lot of infants. We have some that are actually dead to God. We have, a, we have a good number of strong young adults, spiritually speaking. I'm not talking about age. I'm not talking about how many years you've been sitting in the pews. I mean, spiritually speaking. And we have a very few number of disciple makers. Friends, we, we've got to engage. We've got to be involved. We've got to be a part of what God is doing in the world. Paul said that the focus of his ministry, Colossians 1.28, it's, it's the text we looked at at the beginning of the year. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. The goal is maturity in Christ. We need to grow up. We need to take on parenthood spiritually speaking, and also physically. Children, prepare your lives to leave your homes as the Bible intends and instructs so that you can begin your own families and bear children who are trained in the truth of God's word. We need to do that physically and we need to do that spiritually. We must get outside of our comfort zone and we must choose to impact our homes, our neighbors, and every generation with the hope of Jesus. That is disciple making. For years now, we've been talking about the three circles. We've been, we've been over this every single Sunday. Most of our kids, even some of our infants, can, can draw this. Our young adults, spiritually speaking, can. Our adults are sharing it. They're sharing it regularly, and they're ready to make disciples. Friends, we've got to be a congregation of people. We must be an army who are ready to get out and get going. Now, some of you are in a position of being a kid. We have a lot of kids, and I, want, I don't want to discourage you this morning because God's using you, but I want to encourage you this morning to be used all the more. What if you, what if you heard this morning that, um, I want you to imagine yourself a parent. It's not a real story. This didn't actually happen. I want you to imagine this though. Imagine you're a parent and, and a young child, your young child has come home and you ask the child, how was your day? And those of you who are parents, when you ask your, ch your children, how was your day? What was the, what's their response? 
Fine. Anything happen? What's their typical response? No. But then you kind of start talking and you realize they do have homework, that there was a test that they didn't study for, that, that there are things going on that they need to sign a permission form. And then they say something really weird. They say, yeah, and on the way when I was walking home, you know, I passed the field and I saw a baby. What? A baby doll? No, no, a baby. It was crying. There was a baby. How old was the baby? I don't know. I didn't look real close. It was just wrapped up in a blanket. It was just a crying baby. Well, what did you do? I came home. Where's the baby? Out in the field. What would you do as a parent? You'd say, let's go get that baby. As a parent, I can care for that baby. You don't leave babies out in fields. You get babies and you bring them to the house where there are parents who know how to take care of the baby. In the last few weeks, some of our kids, spiritually speaking, have found babies who've been born again in Jesus Christ. And you know what they did? They did the responsible thing. A handful of them brought them to me. And you know what I did? I began to disciple them. I began to walk them through three big things. I made sure that they could believe. We walked through John chapter three. I make sure that they are ready to be baptized. We walked them through Acts chapter eight. Now I'm gonna turn them over to leadership to walk them through belong. So if you are a kid, spiritually speaking, bring the babies to God's house and the parents will do what is necessary to disciple them. But kids, grow up. It's time for you to enter into young adulthood and to begin to take on the chores of this church. It's time to grow up and to become parents. Paul speaks of Timothy as his child in the faith. Do you have any children in the faith? Have you led anyone to Christ, baptized them, and then developed them into healthy disciples of Jesus Christ who have then gone on to make other believers? Friends, this is the call. This is the call. How do you learn to do that? You just do it. You do it. Most of you have far more biblical knowledge than some of our nationals that I'll be training in the next month or so who are planting churches all over Europe. I got a picture yesterday, it just made me laugh. It was, a, it was a congregation of people with the Living Hope logo and the blue t-shirt and they're all so happy. And I can't remember which stand it was from. I can't remember if it was a Turkmenistan or Afghanistan, but it was from one of the stands. And they, they were so happy to be born again believers and they are Living Hope Baptist Church and, and whatever stand they are. And, and you know what they're doing though? You know you want, why they're growing so quickly? Because they went from infancy to childhood to young adult to parent. And they said, I'm going to obey. I'm going to serve. You know how you do that? You do it. You know how you grow into being a disciple maker? You make disciples. Right now we have college students who are going to classes to learn how to work in their field. You know when they're going to get really good at their field? When they start doing the work. Right now it's hypothetical an internship. At the end of the day, they're not responsible for the results their boss is. There's another thing when you step out into that workforce and you say, I'm responsible for my results. I'm responsible to get this work done. It's on me. You know when you're going to get really good at it? When you step out and you do it. 
We are called to make disciples. And the way we get better at it is by serving. Now, our text provides for us some some glimpses of some qualities that exist in those who serve well. Disciple makers serve well, first of all, by remaining in the faith. First step, stay in your walk with the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you. Luke was faithful. Luke was very important to the early church. Luke was probably a Gentile, and maybe the, he definitely was a Gentile. He is probably the only Gentile used by God to write scripture. He gave us the, the gospel of Luke. He gave us the Acts of the Apostle. Probably the only non-Jew to write any of scripture. He was a physician and he was very important to the apostle Paul. He was with Paul in his Caesarean imprisonment. Remember after Paul delivered the, the offering, he was then wrongly arrested. And then he took the perilous journey to uh, Rome where he was in prison. And it, it is apparent that Luke was there because again, he's mentioned as Paul is in prison now writing this epistle. Luke was a man who was faithful to God. He remained faithful. And I, I believe with all my heart, when, the, when Luke died, he heard what Jesus said in Matthew 25, 21. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Friends, that's what you want to hear. Parents, spiritually speaking, hear that. Faithful kids, faithful young adults, hear that. Friends, we've got to grow. We've got to grow into parenthood. We've got to be those who remain. Now, Demas was not faithful. Demas did not remain. Second Timothy chapter four, beginning in verse nine. Do your best to come to me soon. He's writing uh, to Timothy. Because Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Demas fell into the sin that many fall into. 1 John chapter 2, beginning in verse 15 and 16. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. That's what Demas fell in love with. That's what many of God's children are tempted to do and they fall into. The question is often raised. Those who fall away like Demas, are they saved? The Bible is clear that there are some who claim to be Christians who are not Christians. Matthew chapter 7, verse 22 should terrify us all. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. You're not saved. Mormon of you does not make you a Christian. Doing good things for God doesn't make you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is you've repented of your sin. You've believed in Jesus Christ. You know Jesus and you love Jesus. And because you love Jesus, you obey Jesus. If you do not obey Jesus, it's because you don't love Jesus. And if you don't love Jesus, it's because you don't know him. Because to know him is to love him. And to love him is to obey him. And to wander from the faith is an act of disobedience. The Bible is clear that one of the signs that a person is not saved is that they abandon the church. 1 John 2.19, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are not all of us. Does that mean that every person who ever abandons the church was not genuinely saved? I can't say that because there are many prodigals. And given time, they would come home. And given time, they would repent if they were given time. But again, that time is not always guaranteed. Our hope is 2 Timothy 2.19. 
But God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. The Lord knows those who are his. It's not our job to determine whether or not someone is truly born again. That's the work of God. But I can tell you, you need to have an assurance of your salvation. You need it and we need you to have it. There is nothing worse than for me as a pastor than to perform a funeral and to talk to the family who's been left behind and to ask them, is this person in heaven? And for them to say, we don't know. I cannot tell you how many people hang on to loose stories of vacation Bible school days or a revival that happened or this one moment. But when I ask, how was their way of life? Tell me how they served the church. Tell me how they made disciples of Jesus Christ. And they shrug their shoulders and they put their heads down. Hebrews chapter six, beginning in verse 11. We desire each of you to show the same earnest to have the full assurance of hope until the end so that you may not be sluggish but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. This is our goal and those who do that give. So secondly, disciple makers serve well by giving to God's work. Verse 15 of Colossians 4, give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha, the church at her house. Laodicea was a wealthy church. They lost their passion for Jesus. Years later, look what Jesus said to the church at Laodicea in Revelation chapter three. I know your works. You're neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. We are rich like the church at Laodicea. Have we grown to trust more in our capacity to earn income and get health care and education than we do Jesus Christ? Do we think we're rich when in all honesty we are to be pitied because we are not covered in the righteousness of Christ? We are naked. We are not rich. We do not walk in the spirit. We don't have the inheritance of the promises. We simply talk a good game, but it's not real. We're like the person who brags about riches but has none, but is truly bankrupt. Friends, we have a responsibility to give. And we give and and God is at work. We have seen it in our next generation. We see it every day as this facility is open. We see it as people are cared for, as, as leaders are being raised up. Friends, here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want to encourage you to pray and to give financially in two ways. One, of course, in the gift for Christ. Uh, We're about halfway there. This is almost where we were this time last year, and we met the goal. Pray that we meet the goal because that really has a huge impact on on what we do locally and nationally and internationally. I also want to ask you to pray that we would exceed our budget this year. We are, if you'll look in your bulletin, we're 0.7 behind. We're less than 1% from being there. I want to encourage us to, to move beyond that because there's a lot to be done. There's a lot to be done. Specifically, Where my attention is being drawn, I had a conversation with a group of presidents of our convention, and they told us that Southern Baptist churches right now are in danger of losing the next generation, ages 12 through 17. They said there has never been fewer baptisms in that age group than there are right now. And so friends, we've got to focus. So parents, students, Leaders, you're going to be getting more of my attention over the next few few weeks and months. 
Church, you're going to be hearing more attention given to these areas. So be praying because there is a serious drought in our community and in our nation. And, and um, again, we're not going to take attention away from senior adults. Our 20-somethings are growing. We gave attention to that two years ago. We're seeing God do work there. We're going to give more attention to this, this very serious need. But it requires money. So please give. Pray that we will exceed these needs so that we can do more and more specifically in these areas. Let me give you these last three rather quickly. Disciple makers serve well by sharing the word of God. And so in verse 16, you see this interesting, interesting thing. Take the word that I'm giving to you and send it to Laodicea. And the word that I gave to Laodicea, make sure you get it. Now, that may be a lost letter. Some think it's the book, that it's, the, that it's the, what we call the book of Ephesians. We don't know. But the point is this. The church was commanded to share the scripture. We are called to be disciple makers who share the scripture, not just with one another for the strengthening of the church, but with the world. One, uh, two more. Disciple makers serve well by fulfilling their ministry calling. You see Archippus. He is listed in Philemon. He is probably the son of Philemon, whose house was the house where the church at Colossae was, was meeting. When this letter was read, it was probably read in Philemon's house. Archippus was probably not there. Probably Archippus had left Colossae to be the pastor at Laodicea. That's what, that's what history would indicate. And so what they're saying to the church at Colossae, encourage the one you sent out to be a faithful minister. Friends, every one of us has a responsibility because we've all been given a ministry. You have a ministry in this church, what is it? What are you doing every week, member, that if you didn't do it, you would be missed? If that doesn't ring in your heart, you are not fulfilling your responsibility to Christ. Every child of God has a chore in his home. And if you are not fulfilling your ministry to the church, you need to start. You need to find where you can serve in this body where if you were gone, you would be missed. But we also all have a ministry outside of this church. Our homes, our neighbors, and every generation. We are to serve them with our spiritual gifts and knowledge with the hope of Jesus Christ. Last, disciple makers serve well by sacrificing for God's purpose. Paul sacrificed. He says, I write this greeting with my own hand and remember my chains. Grace be with you all. He could have given up on God. He could have given up on these churches. He could have given up on individual people, but he sacrificed. I want to give you a quick word. Do not give up. Do not give up on Christ. Do not give up on your calling and your responsibility to live as a child of God. I know some of you are struggling. Do not give up on your children. Don't give up on your parents. Don't give up on your marriage. Don't give up. Pray, shine, delight, and be a spiritual parent who makes disciples. Impact our homes, 
our neighbors, and every generation with the hope of Jesus. To do that, you need to be born again. So if you have never been saved, come get on your knees and receive Jesus Christ right now. If you need to be renewed in your faith, come and pray and repent and commit and find your place in this church and then go. Pray now for disciples who need to be made and pray for revival. Leaders, grab your bulletins. You see the prayer for this week. It's for, it's for there to be peace in our homes and in our congregation. We must pray for peacemaking. There needs to be restoration and reconciliation within some homes, within this body. Let's stand together as we pray. Lord, your word is sobering, it's true. So thankful that we have the capacity to, to see through your word and through your work, Holy Spirit, where we are and what we need to be doing. We thank you for your call. We thank you for your, your willingness to work in us and work through us. Lord God, would you please heal us, revive us, that we can be of use in your hands. Lord, mature us. For those who need to repent of childish ways, I pray right now they would repent. Some to salvation, some to, to new steps in, in, in faith. God, we're trusting you now. We're coming to you now. Hear us. Come and pray.